Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, I guess that's it. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 294 of No Encore Music Podcast. And Craig, Craig Patrick, who's with me. I have to start the show with a retraction. I uh, hope it's okay. Correction corner. Clarification yeah. corner. Um, last week's top five, we did, uh, if I have memory serves, um, what did we do last week? Artists my... we just don't get. Artists we just don't get. <laughs> In honour of my... Drake. I've gone blank immediately. That's not a great sign for the show. Um, yes, you picked Black Flag in your top five, of course. Indeed I Punk did, band. yeah. And I said, I, I hypothesised, I said Royal Yellow, our friend Royal Yellow, uh, Mark O'Brien. I said, he grew up in the DIY punk scene, he's probably a big Black Flag fan, can't say this word black flag fan black flag and he's fan, probably uh, just, yeah, yeah and he's probably listening one. to it and being like oh that's what well. so i got a message this morning <laughs> 8 26 a.m from mark saying in block capitals whoa whoa never got black flag kind of hate everything they represent it's like oh big, <laughs> yeah he said it's big gym lad ruining the punk show for everyone yes. energy i'm with craig I need more femininity and offbeat weirdness in my punk rather than just machismo and bullishness. Also, the tunes suck. So there you go. Oh, I do couldn't apologize. have said, said it better myself. In fact, I, I didn't on the actual show. <laughs> no, I, did. Mark. I apologize for invoking Royal Yellow on a on a band he's not a fan of. Um, but would he be a fan, Craig, of Sleigh Bells? That's who we're reviewing this week for album review on the, like, on the show it. this week. Sleigh Bells. They're a noisy band. And uh, we'll talk with them later on the show. We're doing top five samples this week in honor of Sleigh Bells. So that's going to be an interesting one. 
Yeah, looking forward in to... honor of one of their songs that we like, not to get okay. too niche, but real, From real. Ten years ago, <laughs> yeah. as well. the Funkadelic <laughs> sample. I was like, oh wait, there must have there must have some good samples on this new record, and you're like, no, no, <laughs> it's, it's that one from ten years it's ago. Just Sunday afternoon, and I'm throwing shit out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to stumbling my way through that top five later on in the show. I, I promise you, listener, I will. Um, I feel very off base at the moment. I woke up feeling sick today, and I was working, so I'm kind of feel, I feel very little. But it'll be fine. There's a Don't kind of boyish it. energy to your approach, though. I'm enjoying it. It's okay. I, like I don't know what you're going to do next in a good way. I think so. Yeah, Go I'm ahead. gonna like I'm gonna say something wild and controversial. Uh, I won't though. Actually, instead, what I will say is, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave. Oh my that. God, we're firmly in partridge territory now. <laughs> um, well, can I interest you in some house plants, Craig? House plants, Dahi and Paul Noonan's band, who, as of this podcast dropping, by the way, congratulations to them, have released their debut album. It's called Dry Goods. Woo! It's out now. Congrats. Go stream that after you stream Royal Yellow. Stream Royal Yellow, everybody. Uh, I interviewed Houseplants during the week. Never stop. Never stopping, mate. Um, never stop, very good never conversation. Were, were, were they in the suits? Because no. I'm hoping they maintain character. Oh, for no, God's sake, sh- lads. Ah, fuck, I actually should have... I, 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 sh- I shouldn't have revealed that, should I? No, they weren't. But did you see the photograph that went up today? I think Ruth Mejbert took it. It was... Um, no, I haven't look, seen it. They look like they're doing a bank heist in Heat. It's unbelievable. Oh, like, they're basically sorry, dressed like yes. De Niro from Heat. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and what yeah, appears yeah, to be yeah. some kind of busy cityscape as well. So it's handsome cool. boys, handsome, talented boys, handsome men, uh, good men, good to talk to. Had a very <laughs> good, good chat men. with them. A few good men. <laughs> well, I was there as well. Um, had a very good chat with them. That's coming out next week. We talked about all kinds of stuff on that interview. Everything about the band, how they formed, why they formed, the record, um, music therapy, tinnitus. You know, it's all in there. Like it gets very, oh, okay. it's very real, and it was really good. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing it back. So Sonic Architect Adam will be putting that one together for us. Sonic Architect David Tapley is editing this episode. And thank you to both of them. We are finally, I swear, recording a new No Ox Chord. It's our monthly Patreon bonus episode. It's a recommends corner. It's about an hour. We do it once a month. We are late to the party and we apologize. It's just been one of those months so far. But Craig and I have locked in the date. We're doing it this Sunday. It'll be out on Monday. Touch wood. Actually, I won't promise Monday because Adam's, Adam's on tour like at the moment. So with Nilo. So, but if you're listening out, to this episode like yeah. six months from it coming out, enjoy. It's, it's out right now. Yeah. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> yeah, um, it feels symbolic, but we're all just very busy. Um, but we're also here to do the show because we love doing the show. Hello, um, Patreon.com/slash No Encore. If you love the show as well, every little helps. Seriously, independent show. Needs must, and thank you for your support, your continued support, and any support yes. you give us whatsoever. And tell your friends, by the way, one way or the other, word of mouth, as Craig will tell you, as a man who works in advertising, word of mouth is the best advertising, and that's correct, is it? Oh, very much so. The more organic, the better. In marketing and food produce, I guess, podcasts, there's a whole range of stuff. Yeah, I got a master's in advertising. Let's move Excellent. on. Let's move on. Take it away, Kanye West. <laughs> Hey, you heard about the good news? All right, it's the news section, Craig. Um, did you see Rolling Stone's 500 best songs of all time list that they put together this week? In fact, they're famous for doing this, but they they did a list in 2004 for the first time ever of this, right? But yes, yeah. they update it every few years. They kind of add some stuff, tweak some stuff, but it's working off the original. This, however, is from scratch. They did it brand new. They consulted all kinds of people within the industry, not just journalists, but musicians as well. They made the point that when the first list came out, 
Uh, Billie Eilish was three years of age, so they kind of had to update it and move with the times. Have you checked out this year's list, is the question. I have not. I've seen much discussion about it online, which I was kind of surprised about because it's a Rolling Stone list. Maybe I'm just, you know, jaded from my constant cue lists over the years. But yeah, people still get very excited about these things, apparently. Um, I suspected you might have the list in front of you when we were recording this and you might like to spring a few placements on me. So I was like, I'll come to this one fresh. Was I right to do so? Yeah, pretty much. I'm currently trying to find the story <laughs> that I <laughs> that I wrote the other day. I'm um, going to take a wild yeah. guess, though, that, you know, they've done this completely from scratch. Um, but actually, yeah. it will mainly resemble the Rolling Stone stock and trade. Plenty of the canon with a lot of, like, um, you know, a sprinkling of modern artists and some concessions to... Um, women and minorities and and I say concessions as in that being the Rolling Stone mindset as opposed to properly redoing it um, so let's see how it goes Okay well look um, I'll give you I'm not going to do the whole thing obviously because that would be a four hour podcast and who wants to hear that um, I will say that number 500 to kick off the list is Stronger by Kanye West how do you feel about that? Um, yeah that, that's okay for a kickoff. I'd imagine he features quite a lot I wouldn't say that's his highest placement, and well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I maybe don't have, it is. <laughs> I haven't put together like like, like the average of stats. Or, no, I haven't done There's that. No spreadsheet. Um, but I will tell you that Lord is at number thirty with Royals. I'm okay, gonna give you the top twenty-five. But Lord's there at number 30 with Royals. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> it's apparently the 30th best song of all time. Um, so here, okay, so here's what I'll do. We, we did yeah. this before with the, with the Irish Times list that time. I'm going to read in reverse order, 25 to 1. Okay. Do you do you have any guess by the way what the number one is? What the number one song is? Um, number one will be. I think it's gonna be. Even the artist. If you get the artist, I'll be impressed. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna guess it's like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. Okay, well we'll find out in a moment. So okay. I'm gonna uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read them out now, and I guess just to avoid awkward Zoom audio. Uh, maybe I'll take a pause after each one or raise your hand or something. I'd like to hear you comment on them all, really, but I guess we'll just see how we go. Okay, so number 25, Kanye West featuring Pusha T, Runaway. Yeah, probably his highest placement. um, Iconic. A masterpiece. Cool. Yep. Number 24, The Beatles, A Day in the Life. I'd be surprised if that's their highest placement, but it might be their best song. So I'm now intrigued by that. Continue. (laughs) So the list is working for you so far. That's what we're hearing. Boomer Craig yeah. over here. Okay. Yeah. Number 23 <laughs> on the Rolling Stone top 500 best songs of all time is David Bowie and Heroes. Uh, never really fucked with Heroes. I mean, the really? guitar is great. Oh, well, it's just so ubiquitous. Do you know what I mean? I think it's... Oh, it's a great because it, song, Craig. It is a, it's a great song, but it's one of those 23rd best of all time, it says right here. Uh, not Bowie's best. I'm fine with it. Okay, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's actually more experimental than it seems because it's so ubiquitous. So yeah, cool, cool. That's my own bias. Number 22, a song that I would have been okay with being number one is The Ronettes and Be By... Uh, Ronettes, Be My Baby. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a top five song. Yeah, okay. Too low, I'd say. I agree. Number number 21, Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit. Oh my God, what a masterpiece and the story behind it and the cultural weight it has. You could make an argument for that being top 10, particularly US publications. So yeah, cool. Number 20, Robin, Dancing on My Own. Above Strange Fruit. This is the problem with <laughs> these <laughs> lists, isn't it? Because once you put it into the context of other songs, you're like, yes, it's great in, at what that does. 
but it suddenly feels like they're like it's so influential for stuff that's happening now it's an all-timer it's fine it's probably top 200 yeah of all time yeah okay weird weird let's let's uh, keep going but yeah the no, placement no, there no, <laughs> to number record. 19 number 19 is john lennon and imagine he wants you to imagine yeah. all the people craig don't like that song I uh, never really did. It's mawkish. It's fine. I know why it does it for some people, but no, no. Number 18, Prince and the Revolution with Purple Rain. Yeah, I love Purple Rain. It's not my top 20 Prince songs. Um, cool. It's an American anthem. It's an American anthem. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> number 17. Always, always going to feature. Number, yeah. number 17 is a British anthem. I see a little silhouette of a man. We do the Fandango, oh, Greg. It's Queen, Bohemian it, Rhapsody. It is, you know, much parodied. It's great it's genuinely ro- incredible though it really it is. is i think it is i think it, be- I, I think it manages to, to defeat all the parody all the culture all the weight of it if you ever stick it on and just tune all the bullshit out you're like yeah this is unbelievable yeah. <laughs> like, this or, is- or watch it in wayne's world and you'll still have the same reaction so yeah yeah okay that, i'm happy or enough the, with that being there or the five-star film of the same name uh, number 16 oh yeah. <laughs> here we go beyonce featuring jay-z crazy in love <sighs> not the sample no it's the best part about the song <laughs> Jesus I will say Christ. I should Jay-Z we should probably move on pretty quickly because I've already yeah. I've already I, I had someone last week be like why is Craig always ragging on Beyonce so you know oh gotta... does it is that a thing because I thought like last week was my big revelation I've had people no, you, agreeing with me um, I think she's a fine artist it was more the you know esteem in which she's held let's keep going <laughs> number 15 the Beatles again I want to hold your hand so this must must be cultural impact because it's a great pop song, but it's just a simple pop song from the 60s. So we're into weird territory considering what's placed around us. Let's keep going, I guess. I feel like this was like maybe the number one decades ago. So they've just kept it. Anyway. Number 14 is The Kinks and Waterloo Sunset. Yeah, I mean, that's that could be top five. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> number 13, <laughs> The Rolling Stones and Martin Scorsese's favorite cut, Gimme Shelter. Yeah, that could be top five. This is a big top five that I'm putting together. <laughs> I am very much a boomer. I'm just like, water in the sunset. <laughs> Give me shelter. Now you're talking. <laughs> Number 12, a song I recall seeing on your Spotify for about like two months solid. Like, like Superstition. It's Superstition Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was playing a lot of Stevie Wonder when I was in News Talk and I think I left it on repeat one day and then it seems to just be a constant glitched now playing for me for like months yeah great song though all right number 11 the beach boys and god only knows um i mean that's top five might be the, that might be the best song of all time <laughs> god only knows five. could be the best greatest song of all time objectively let's keep going all right all right it's time for the top 10 number 10 and this has proved divisive. I've seen this pop up a lot. People are like, you're really saying this is better than Imagine by John Lennon, are you? And I'm saying it is. It's Outcast and Hey Ya. Uh, it's better. It's way better than Imagine. It's um, it's not the 10th best song I've written, though, is it? Well, I think I've said before that it's the greatest pop song. No, it's the, yeah, it's the greatest pop song of this century so far. And I might have been drunk when I said that, but I think it's great. Uh, but I, it's not my favourite Outcast song even, so it just seems weird. It was an important song. I get why it's there. I'm happy with it. Could be worse. Number nine is Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I know Fleetwood Mac are having a, a comeback thing. Dreams is a really nice song, but it's not one of the greatest songs ever written. It might be in the top thousand, but no. 
Number it, it, that's that's very much because Fleetwood Mac are now back in vogue and they should be they're great but it's you know if you do this in two years dreams won't be there number eight Missy Elliott get your freak on a masterpiece absolute masterpiece um, one where I need to see the write up where it probably explains the context of whatever but yeah I'm not going to argue with Missy Elliott I think that's a fair ah no it's actually that's really really high but it's great um, in terms of what Craig's, Craig, oh Craig, Craig is rubbing his face with his hands <laughs> like like a very tired and sad person uh, I like that song yeah um, number I'm keeping seven, it to escape my boomerism go on number seven they're back it's the Beatles again Strawberry Fields Forever yeah Day in Life's better I do love Strawberry Fields Forever that, I'm sure that was in their top ten previously so as a lot of these seem to be yeah it's grand better than Imagine just missing out in the top five at number six, Craig Haddam in the most overrated albums conversation before. It's Marvin Gaye. What's going what's on? What's going on? I mean, you know, timeless, I guess, in terms of the message. It is one of the three songs on that album that I'm like, are just absolutely bulletproof, <laughs> incredible. Do you know what I mean? Or like A three song album. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Number five. Very inner city blues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number five. Darren and Eric. Oh, it's really? Spirit okay, Nirvana. this is all about cultural impact then, because that isn't top 10 Nirvana songs. Do you know what I mean? It's the riff from More Than a Feeling. It's a great song. It's great fun, <laughs> but it's come on, come on. Hard Have to be there, better, I suppose, because it's Rome's own. Yeah, it's way better. Yeah, all apologies. Uh, yes, number much four songs. is Craig Schaefer, number one, at least what he thought would be number one. It's Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, number four. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, Bob's best number ones of all time. Yeah, big moment. Three songs left. Three songs left, and I'm looking forward to what news stories are we going to cut from the news section? I didn't think this was going to go as long as number three. Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. What a song. Oh, that could have been number one. Yeah. I I think it should have been number one. I think it's incredible. Number. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's unimpeachable. Number two. But apparently, it's, you know, it is impeachable. (laughs) It's not number one. Number two is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. As seen in the opening credits of Spike Lee's Incendiary, do the right thing. It's absolutely tremendous, um, but it's not top ten or top twenty. I don't think it's maybe top fifty. Mm. I appreciate the inclusion, but no. Yeah, okay. And the number one then is, and finally, the best song of all time according to Rolling Stone. Any ideas? Um, uh, would you like the the gender of the artist? Would that help? Sure. Yeah. It's a woman, Craig. There is a film about her in cinemas right now. Oh, Jesus, I haven't... Oh, you don't go to cinema, of course, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's giving me no... No, I really don't know. I'm going it's... to... Go on. You've nothing to lose here. Different era, a long time ago. Classic song, Timeless. Oh, the name... Rita Franklin. Yes. Uh, respect. It has to be respect, right? And, it yeah. is. Is it? Or it is, in fact. It is, in fact, respect. <laughs> well done. It is respect by Aretha Franklin. Uh, best song of all time. You agree? Um, it's a, you know, you could say it's a perfect song. Um, means a lot to a lot of people. No, I don't, I don't agree. But it's like these lists, you, when you start stacking songs up against each other, like you could make an argument that every song you mentioned there is in its own way perfect and they're so different than how are you ranking them? You know, it's... It's a bit of fun. We like lists, obviously. We'll do another one later that will go on for even longer in this segment. But um, what did you make of it? 
The list. Um, yeah, I haven't read the whole thing yet because I, I haven't had a chance to. But like, like, it's fine. I mean, like, if anything, I like I, I like the effort that goes into it. You know, I mean, they like it's apparently they spoke to over two hundred fifty people, whether it was journalists, musicians, people in the industry, writers, critics, whatever, um, including like big name musicians and such. It's, it's like it's almost like a PFA Player of the Year thing where it's like at least they put the work in. I haven't seen the whole thing. And again, with these things, like, you know, they, they are designed to provoke debate and piss people off. It just always annoys me when someone like will like look at the article and immediately be like, trash. And I'm like, mate, it would take you like two hours to read. Like, come on. <laughs> like, at least. Um, That's a good I'm sure point. It's always sure the case with these lists where you need the context of the article. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah, come on. It's, there's no, you can't, there's no list in the world that, that is like, yeah, that's it. That's the best song of all time. It's fair enough. I don't think Lord should be number 30, though. <laughs> anyway, look, we'll move on. Um, lots of stories, Craig, but we're going to have to cut some because, you know, otherwise it'd be a two-hour show. We don't want that. Uh, okay. Nicki Minaj, what's she been up to this week? She had a weird week. Uh, yeah, she was um, sending weird messages to Boris Johnson, I think was the latest. Um, she is, she's not vaccinated. Um, she didn't make it to the Met Gala, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So she tweeted on Monday, um, I was prepping for... VMAs, which I initially read as Vemus, and I'm like, so is this I. some new holiday? <laughs> so did I. I'm very excited. <laughs> then I shot a video and guess who got COVID? She continued, they want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. In the meantime, my loves, be safe. Wear the mask with two strings that grips your face, your head and face. Not that loose one. Um, so, you know, she's taking some precautions, but, um, she went on to say that she's skeptical because her cousin in Trinidad, um, wouldn't get it because his friend got it and became impotent. Um, his testicles became swollen and, uh, wouldn't you know, he was just weeks away from getting married and the girl called off the wedding, uh, sicken her. So <laughs> she says, just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Which is fine advice in most aspects of life. Um, that story, sorry, Craig, like, like, like it's, it sounds like one of those tall tales, but I believe the story has in fact been verified by health officials, right? And is in fact correct to the letter. Is that, is that, is that correct? Yes. She was telling complete truth, and this is not made up in any way whatsoever. And the about your swollen health, testicles, not yours, about, but about, everyone's, about, about, about the world's this, swollen uh, testicles. About this man who clearly exists and his maladies that also... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dr. Fauci came out and said, yeah, I actually know him, went for a few beers from last week and um, <laughs> checks out. It's, it's real bad. <laughs> no, Dr. Fauci came out and said, no, they, they looked into whether the Pfizer, Moderna or Johnson Johnson vaccines caused any reproductive issues in men or women. And Dr. Fauci was saying, it's a resounding no, there's no evidence that it happens. Yada, yada. There was also then, just as I mentioned... Um, I think the British chief medical officer um, said it was not great what she was coming out with uh, in discussion with Boris Johnson and Boris did his usual thing of like, oh, I've never heard of her, but, um, you know, vaccines are great, blah, blah, blah. And then she had this audio clip where she did her fake cockney thing and she's like, hello, Boris, I was actually born in London and she got me back on side because it was kind of funny. But um, yeah, I mean, we're obviously um, vaccinated and up for everyone getting vaccinated and... Um, we've been taking shots at, shots, hey, at hey. people that have been kicking against us, your Van Morrisons and the likes. Um, so, yeah, this isn't really great misinformation to be getting Especially out. Especially when, Craig, yeah. the Trinidad and Tobago equivalent of the HSE spent a day running this claim down and did a press conference, or maybe it was during their regularly scheduled conference, and they were like, yeah, oh, we yeah. looked into this because we take all these things seriously. We found no record whatsoever of this thing. So, well done, Nicky Yeah, Nage. yeah, yeah, totally. I will the say, influence. you know, there is, there is that thing of, like, um, you know, uh, America does have a history of... Um, 
medically abusing black people and um there is a problem at the moment with um african-americans being very wary of getting vaccinated and stuff and that's kind of i think somewhat understandable cultural issues there of just being like you don't have to go too far back to a point where the government was doing experimental tests on you know these groups of people so like you know i don't want to be totally flippant about being like she's you know just get the vaccine do what your government tells you to do or you know um there's a deep-rooted thing there but um if she does her research it all checks out so get vaccinated it's fine but you know i think we can be quite quick to jump on people without understanding the way they've been raised and where certain types of ignorance come from well said craig that was thank very you eloquent was that handled nice. okay yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that was nice it came from the heart we're not just trying to thank fucking you. score points on this show but you know yeah. you can you can have different opinions but you know stay safe um todd rundgren has has several opinions about, about one Kanye West <laughs> because Todd Rundgren, legendary musician, uh, apparently was one of the musicians involved in Donda, one of the many, many musicians involved in Donda. Uh, he gave an interview this week and he said that he was very unhappy with the process. Um, apparently he contributed to the album over the course of a year. I don't know how frequent that is. And amassed, quote, three albums worth of Kanye stems on my computer, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, yeah. He said, I don't, I didn't, the quotes are unbelievable. I didn't mind working on his gospel stuff. If you want to sing about Jesus, go ahead. I don't care. I'll help you do it, you know. If you want to sing about your troubles with your wife, go ahead and do it. I don't care. Um, but over time, Rungren got a bit upset. He said, when I got into the, when it got into the home stretch in July, I just said, that's enough for me. I've no idea whether any of this is being used. You don't get much feedback from him regarding what it is. If I can contribute something, fine. If I can't, just let me know. I'm out of here. There's a possibility mm. that I'm actually in there somewhere. There's so much junk on that record. He then also gave out about Kanye West Rush releasing it uh, to try and get ahead of Drake and then said, Drake ate his lunch. I mean, he did commercially. That was always going to happen. But yeah. Yeah. Kanye West pissing off classic rock stars, man. Who knew? Yeah, and apparently um, this kind of came about because 88 Keys, the producer, um, knew Todd Rundgren, was a huge fan and was like, oh, you should totally work with Kanye, who I'm also working with, and like this, they, you would just be perfect together. And they kind of would be, like, um, Todd Rundgren's an amazing producer, there's that kind of psychedelic link and stuff, and I can imagine it being brilliant. But you can imagine then being 88 Keys, it caught in the middle of just like Todd Rundgren being like, why isn't he responding to my emails? <laughs> And it's like, oh, he's living in a stadium currently and, you know, where, you know, appearing at games and kind of masks and stuff. I don't know. Um, I can understand why Todd Rundgren is a bit crotchety here. There's big, like, David Crosby, I don't give a fuck anymore vibes, which I respect and appreciate. Yeah, totally. There should and be at that age. Like, you know, you, you've had the career. You're, you're still there. Like, like, you don't need to prove anything anymore. Do what you want. Totally. And um, yeah, I think he's he maybe count himself lucky that he didn't really do the in-person thing with Kanye because I was re- immediately reminded of Paul McCartney talking about the process of working with Kanye for four or five seconds. And McCartney was doing his whole like, you know, upbeat, positive thing of like, he's a genius. Yeah, but it was just a weird way of working. Wasn't used to it. Where essentially <laughs> Kanye just got Paul in a room to like play guitar and like try and come up with ideas. As you can imagine McCartney all like chipper and being like, yeah, let's shoot some ideas around. I think Kanye was like not doing a lot watching porn at one point um just showing him different like shoe designs and then he's like yeah i think that's that's kind of it and then <laughs> like paul mccartney got a call four months later to be like yeah the song's out and he's like well, did i do anything on it and i was like yeah your guitar is like there's a sample of your guitar we used so kanye has this thing where he'll just like use talent um no matter how revered or respected they are and should be and just 
it's all for the benefit of the art or one upping Drake, whichever side you fall on. But yeah, at least he was just, you know, had some email frustration, I guess. That um <clears throat> that pornography detail there intrigues me. Um, and for some reason it made me think of um so there Actually, used to maybe be... <laughs> maybe now I think about it wasn't just like it wasn't that he just put on like porn up or something. I think it was that he started showing Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, naked photos of his wife or something from That's a shoot. Weirder. Is that it? I know, yeah. but I feel like maybe he it came up in conversation. I don't know. Anyway, so He's found I, Jesus, all right. In one of my old jobs, there was, you know, like, like you've got, like, the bar that everyone goes to, the pub that everyone goes to around the corner from work. So one of my old jobs, there was a pub we used to go to. And I heard a story, like, this wasn't, it didn't happen to me, but I heard a story that, like, apparently one night there was, like, a lock-in. Um, and, like, you know, <laughs> the bolt goes on, like, ashtrays come out and stuff. And apparently, like, the barman immediately put, like, hardcore porn on the television. Like, what would you do if you were in that scenario? <laughs> like, and the door is bolted. Yeah, it's like... What the, I would presume my, like, throat was going to be cut. So, like, it's just a very strange... Yeah. It's Not like a cool. blue velvet vibe, isn't it? <laughs> it's very, very odd. Let, let's do something more wholesome. Um, I've okay. written here... I'm very happy with my headline here. Taylor Swift's Belfast Odyssey. Because of the yes. Odyssey Arena, Craig. Um, so Taylor Free Swift's- Odyssey Arena, I believe it's called. Oh, wow. Fuck, let's not get into that. No, let's oh not. Um, Why isn't it called the theatre, for fuck's sake? Anyway, look, so Taylor <laughs> Swift uh, is has been up Northern Ireland because uh, her boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, is... Starring in the Sally Rooney adaptation of Conversations with Friends. File that under things Dave will never watch. So um, she stopped into a bar during the week. Because you can do that up there. They've had their freedom day. And um, <laughs> she watched a random 22-year-old play some music. You know, cute, I suppose. So local singer-songwriter yeah. Tiernan Heffron shared selfies of himself with Taylor Swift on Twitter during the week. And saying that uh, she gave him a tip. And, uh, and it's like, oh, how, how much do you reckon she tipped? Like a fiver? I don't or? know, but it feels weird to like... Because he was on stage. It wasn't like he was busking. So it's just like, here's <laughs> some money for your gig that you were maybe already being paid for. I'm sure I hope it he was. was. I'd imagine it was substantial because if it was like, you know, here's a 50 mate from Taylor Swift. I don't think she'd bother. So, what do you reckon? Um, he, um, I, I'd That's like not to think. Speculate. It's yeah, nice I'd, I'd, I'd like to right? think that it was a nice, it was a fistful of fifty uh, British pound notes or something. I don't know. I mean, like maybe she did a, a Tommy one. Cooper and and <laughs> she did that thing where she just like hands him a or no, she puts a what was it? Puts a tea bag in his like pocket and go like taps it and just goes. Uh, that's that's for you. That's a have a drink on me. <laughs> Tommy Cooper used to do that with taxi drivers. They think they were getting like a twenty quid tip or something. They just put a tea bag in their fucking jacket. And go have a drink on me. <laughs> that's outstanding, outstanding yeah. work. Um, I'd like to think that it was something substantial, but like that's a really tricky one because you can't audit her. You're like you know, like no matter what she gave you, you'd be like, this is a millionaire. <laughs> they could have given me anything. Maybe it was a hundred pound note. Who knows? Um, so he said it's not every day Taylor Swift walks into your gig and stays there for your whole three hours set. Can spring. Um, Springsteen over here. Fucking kiss. So uh, he said she was the most lovely person. She asked how could she follow what I was doing and gave me a tip. Dreams do come true. I'm ready and excited for what's to come. Uh, There's a BBC News write-up, which uh, I've been debating about whether I uh, I, I should, like, read in the style of uh, Jackie Fullerton. Oh, please do. The Northern Irish Yeah, yeah. Go for it. So, um... Actually, no, sorry. It's not from the write-up. It's from the 
bar that he was in, the Tipsy Bird Bar, and the Facebook page put up a photograph of Taylor Swift with the staff members, and the caption is, um, <clears throat> The one and only Taylor Swift, gracious with her presence last Friday night. Taylor was here to support her boyfriend, Joe, who had wrapped up film on the TV series. Conversations with friends. Um, we can confirm she is just as lovely as you would expect, and was kind enough to take a picture with our team. This is happening a lot, by the way. Tom Cruise and restaurants, Taylor Swift. Like, I guess it's, you're going to get the photograph, right? But also... Surely if you're a celebrity, you're like, I'm never going back there again. No? Um, I don't think I would get the photograph. just feels... Roy Keane talked recently about how he always gets annoyed when people want a photograph and just like, why mm. are you you're doing this for you? You're doing this because you're bored, you don't want a photograph. And that's stuck in my head, so I'll, yeah, I don't think I'll ever do it. Not that I was yeah. doing it anyway. Um, I mean, fair play to her. Three hours. I mean, I wonder yeah. did she know what she was getting into. I'm just scrolling through the story and... Um, I was wondering what kind of music Heffron was doing and one of the quotes is my heart was beating so fast I just went for it and I had her up singing and dancing to tell my ma so I'm just like fuck so it's what just what song is like, is that one of his or is that like tell, no, I, well may, uh, maybe it is one of his and it just shares the same name as tell me ma when I go home like it has oh, that you know right. she's the belle of Belfast City so I presume it's that like well he's hardly so doing we're... fucking like he's hardly doing something weird is he like it's it's a pub gig He's probably just playing the hits. Yeah, I don't know. A bit I'm of, just um, hoping this doesn't inspire you, a fucking it, Taylor Swift Galway Girl type song on Did I ever tell you there was a time, um, it was about like four, a few years ago, it was a friend's birthday, um, and myself and Dahi were there and it was like a pub in Dublin and it was a Saturday night and like we actually had like, it was actually okay, it wasn't too chaotic and it was like, things were going fine and then a fucking singer-songwriter walked in and started setting up and we were all like, oh no, we were like, this, like, this is just not needed, like no one wants this. And it was a very, very zealous young man who no one had clearly ever told him that he wasn't great. And just like the confidence was just through the roof. Uh, his yeah. friends were there. It, it was really disruptive and not fun. Um, but there was a moment where he was playing... Oh, fuck. I think he was playing like an Ed Sheeran song or something. Um, so he's playing that along. He's doing whatever. And then like in the middle eight, he just starts going, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. And I'm like, you can't do that. That is fucking No. And like tapping the guitar, and I was like, "That is outrageous! <laughs> like that is fucking disgraceful oh behavior." And I'd say, I'd say, like along with a knowing smile of like, "Look what I'm doing, guys! Oh yeah, I'm big a genius! Time, yeah. yeah, yeah." This yeah. guy was cock of the walk. Um, I feel like I can do a better Jackie Fulton than that impression. By the way, I just I kind of panicked on the spot there. You have to imagine. I enjoyed like, a, it. You have to imagine like a bizarre arcane scenario in which Norden are on to playing Brazil or something, and it's like you know, the boys are themselves proud today. It's the final score here at the Maracanã. Northern Ireland 2, Brazil 21. That kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> anyway, look, that's niche go. enough for me. I'm going to close it out now, Craig. By, we're okay. we're going to skip the Conor McGregor Machine Gun Kelly story. They got into a scrap. We're going to skip the Fleetwood Mac and Lindsay Buckingham story. They're still scrapping. They got into a scrap, us yeah. about, <laughs> Tell us about... Apparently, Lindsay Buckingham's album is very good. Uh, his new album. Oh. Um, tell us about Frank Ocean at the Met Gala. And did you... Are you a Met Gala person? Did you pay attention to the looks this year? I saw a lot of the looks. I enjoyed them. Um... Tax the rich, man. Yeah. I enjoyed, like, Lil Nas X as a kind of muscular C-3PO. And have you seen that photo of, like, Chance, the rapper, standing in the background, just looking on, kind of forlorn and deflated? And it felt like it summed up a lot about, like, where their careers were or something. It was just a very, like, immediately iconic shot. Um, What else did I enjoy? Um, I liked Dan Levy's get-up, where it looked like he'd kind of taken on, like, a lot of psychedelic... um like k-pop inspiration and just bloomed into a flower which was great um kid cuddy's in a dress that was tremendous i think it that's a look that really suits him i'm just like um big respect for that 
what else I'm trying to think now oh yes Frank Ocean <laughs> um <laughs> haunting 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 people, people, the minute people I saw might, the photo people, I was like this will be top of the news agenda so, so Frank Ocean <laughs> uh, do, okay don't go to your phone immediately and look let us describe it here because I think you need to be prepared so he <laughs> <laughs> I thought, Ocean, I, thought, I, I thought it was great. Can I just he say? He brought a neon green robot baby <laughs> that he just carried around with him. Under and it looked <laughs> like under his arm. And it was just like something out of the Twilight Zone. Is it wearing the and same clothes as him as well, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. It was like he birthed it somehow. It was like his creativity or I'm sure there was a hu- huge, you know... I don't know. It was the green robot baby is called Cody, um, I should say, um, was dressed in an outfit that was designed by Frank's recently launched uh, independent American luxury company, Homer, um, which we discussed as well. Um, so this is kind of good promo for him. But yeah, like an animatronic infant and it like it could move it was blinking it was responding to frank as he moved around <laughs> i didn't see much video footage because i was just like I'm, oh I'm absolutely not. i saw i've seen like five it's seconds fucking terrifying <laughs> oh my god do you know much about the inspiration behind this was there interviews given can you fill in the story a little bit oh, i, I people I, are racing to find clips i, this I x'd yeah. out of that thing pretty fast man honestly it really it really upset me <laughs> I, I thought it was genius but also i was like this is gonna come to life and kill me in the middle of the night. Do you reckon he hangs on to that like after the show? Like, does that stay in his house? Does it go in a lockup somewhere? I would not be comfortable sleeping in a house with that thing still (laughs) under the same (laughs) roof. He goes to prison. There's um, there's rumors of a new album, by the way, but I'm not going down that rabbit hole because he's 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 hurt us before. Um, Well, I I make a prediction before before we go on. Yeah, yeah, make that prediction. Also, uh, make that prediction, but also tell us about. um, You dubbed it very well on Twitter. What was Grimes dressed like, Craig? Oh, as if she'd finally morphed into a character from Soul Calibur. Um, she was wielding <laughs> a sword, which I believe was like made from decommissioned parts of uh, an assault rifle, which is kind of cool, actually. It's a project that people... But anyway, she yeah, the look was spot on. Like if she literally just was like a new playable character and some beat him up, you'd be like, yep, nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> okay. And my prediction well, is new Frank album dropping Christmas 2021. <laughs> okay. I'll say October 2022. But we do have an album to talk about. A brand new one, as a matter of fact, that is out, can be physically accessed or digitally, whatever you prefer. It's called Texas with an I, not an A. And it's by a band by the name of Sleigh Bells. Christmas is coming, but this sounds a bit different. Here it is. Craig, that's Sleigh Bells. Tell us about them. Tell me who they are. And tell me if you think that they should bother making albums. Do they need to? I'm not sure they do. 
big spoiler there for the album review we're going to kick necessarily, off into. it's not necessarily the bad thing I think some bands don't need to make records I think that you know you can just coexist do the on a certain thing I'm, I'm not saying like I'm not telling them what to do but I'm just saying that like does do, are they an album band I'm going to say that they're not an album band That's I'm jumping to the end of my review now but who are they they're, they are great in bursts um, they're a noise pop duo um, who emerged from the most achingly hipsterish point in the space time continuum uh, Brooklyn <laughs> 2008 <laughs> And yeah, I think much like Brooklyn 2008 and like the art that came out of there, it's like, you know, their stuff delighted and irked people in equal measure. We've always had a bit of an interest on the show. Um, mentioned the magnificent Real Real earlier on. The debut treats um, was quite bracing and refreshing when it came out, I guess. Um, it's Alexis Krauss on vocals and Derek Miller at, um, on guitar. And yeah, I think when they're good, um, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the sound. They do something quite different or did at the time when they came out. When they're not quite firing on all cylinders, I think the component parts for me get a bit much and you kind of start doubting the approach and you're like, are these metal guitars really this cheesy? Like, is this really tongue in cheek? Is there any room to breed in these drum rolls, etc, etc? I think that, that's been like the question we've had on their album since that debut. So there's been Reign of Terror in 2012, which was kind of more of the same, Bit of Rivals in 2013. And then Jessica Rabbit arrived five years ago and it seemed like they were questioning themselves. Um, Alexis was talking at the time about it being like making an album was like a matter of life or death and um, they seem to have a really hard time the recent interviews now are just like yeah we didn't know if the band would continue um, and it seems to be like Derek Miller in a quite like frank quote from um, what was it from DIY an interview with DIY there was saying I'm not comparing us to this band at all but with a band like Radiohead they're constantly tearing it up and starting from scratch every time they make a record 39 I've been listening to that band since I was 15 or so um, and for a lot of people in bands it feels like you have to do that all the time um, and he says you know I'm not going to dismiss um, do the thing where I dismiss our catalogue really love a lot of it but we were overthinking it you kind of reach a point where you feel like you're not allowed to sound how you sound so this is their kind of in literally as many words they've said it's just like I don't want to think about it anymore let's just do kind of what we did in the first album the stuff that we know we're good at and see what happens like he goes on to say like I threw away my oblique strategy cards like to Brian Eno prompts I stopped trying to be like take us in new directions and um, so they just doubled down on stuff they hadn't been doing in a long while and I guess fair play to them Uh, they seem they say this is kind of like their most settled record is it settled for you or is it stale you think maybe it's slightly redundant 10 years on more than 10 years on yeah I think all those words actually apply which isn't to say that I had any problems with this record I mean like for starters short enough 11 tracks 35 minutes thank you and I think you know coming off the last two albums we reviewed which yeah, had a combined yeah, running time of what like three and a, a week and a half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like so it's refreshing to have a refreshing in and out hit repeat whatever pass the five listen test no problem couldn't really grasp much out of it and i think the fact that like it is probably their most reminiscent of their debut just makes me go oh that debut is fucking great and it is treats from 2010 i think it's 2010 or 2011 um yeah is a fantastic record and of the time a fantastic of the time record like the likes of it. you think about like passion pit and dirty projectors and even a foster the people or whatever just like that kind of in your face high pop you know put all the fucking faders up on the desk whatever 
And it was clicking. It really felt like that kind of stuff was clicking around that time, whether you were lost in Pitchfork or The Hype Machine or Q or whatever. These were cool bands coming out of New York and coming out of America and coming out of just like a very hipster scene that either rubbed you the wrong way completely with their abrasiveness or kind of, you know, got something, awoke something within you. And I think that even beyond the amazing Real Real, which is a fucking phenomenal song, it was the first one I heard, I'm sure it's the first one you heard as well. Yeah. I think Treats is a very good album. Infinity Guitars is amazing. Their kind of manipulation, their production stuff, just like cranking it all up to 11. It works for me. Um, <clears throat> but I did wonder, even with that album, where do you go from here? And I don't think that they've done an album anywhere near as good since. I think that they belong in an early evening slot at a like on the Pitchfork Festival bill. And, you know, maybe a European jaunt off the back of it and gigs in the academy and stuff and like none of this is to be disparaging towards them but like some bands just have a ceiling and have a place they have a place and that's good enough it sounds like they think it's good enough they have fans think they're unbelievable i don't there's some nice songs on here true seekers which is the penultimate track i think is a very nice one yeah i, I would have closed the record with it they kind of go back to the well to close with hummingbird bomb which is totally fine um the track we played locust lace is quite nice but it it is just kind of Full pelt, rollercoastery stuff in which they, you know, uh, I imagine like someone using like a chaos later or something for every instrument. Just like, let's just run our fingers along here and just go up and down and up and down and up and down and gets a bit exhausting. It feels a bit stale in the sense that it does feel like the sound of 10 years ago. They're still here and I admire that, but yeah. I also don't really see the point of it anymore at all, If I if I can be so cruel. I... Yeah, I'm the same. I admire the kind of feck at this is us, us approach. Um, I could make very many arguments as well that, you know, treats is the only one you need and use tracks here as kind of ammunition. Um, I don't know if that is entirely fair, um, but I was just as happy this week, um, particularly after the last few albums we've done to kind of use this stuff as like a bit of ear candy, like good and small doses. It didn't feel totally reheated to me. It felt like there was kind of fresh ideas there, some nice melodies. It felt like they went back to like their, you know, grow stuff in the little, I don't know, allotment they started with. <laughs> Maybe allotment isn't the right metaphor for a band like this. No, that's like Jeremy Corbyn or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think you get... To continue the allotment thing, you don't get a full nourishing, well-rounded diet from what they produce. <laughs> wow, it's just kind of snack food. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's an album that kind of clearly leaves leaves you a bit frazzled uh, if you listen to it too much, um, and if you think about it too much. And they kind of clearly didn't. But I, it does feel instinctive, I think, and it doesn't feel like they're forcing the issue, or they're like. Let's try to recapture what we had on the debut. It feels like they're like, let's just do that thing where like the first thing that sounds good we just nail so I, th- I kind of like that approach um but yeah there's so many elements to all of their stuff always that like should be the stuff that rubs me the wrong way like the kind of so many so much of the guitar sounds like it's being played by what was your man's name in um fury Road the doof warrior doof warrior yes <laughs> he could be like guesting on this record <laughs> Um, no, it's just Derek Miller. Um, and, you know, those drums really are insistent. But I think somehow Alexis just kind of her vocals do recontextualize it every time. And I do think when they're very good, they have strong enough songs that like it could work with different treatments. Locust Laced for sure was a real highlight. As you said, True Seekers, which is more... Um, 
a steady mature kind of sounds justine goes go justine go genesis um like somebody's sounded like they could actually be on taylor swift's last record or last kind of main release but um are just slammed with guitars and it's actually the kind of olivia rodrigo approach except way wilder i went back to sour and like because i think at the time i was saying yeah this is quite like brittle and pop punky meets taylor swift but like it's kind of sleigh bells ish and actually like a track like brutal is way more tame than what sleigh bells do so kudos to them i think they're still influential um but it's just a while since they first announced themselves with that stuff and it's it's fine it's it's i would probably recommend people check it out it's short it's what 35 minutes yeah um there's some gems to take away um let me think of another metaphor it's like it's like going go-karting dave <laughs> it's, got, it's like a weekend go-karting like it's fun you recommend it to friends but like you wouldn't that's not how you want to commute <laughs> that's not how you want to live your life go-karting but it's you know it's good for an old spin so yeah i'm going to give this um a commendable six and go yeah pluck a few tracks true seekers justine go genesis locust laced and I think fair play to them. If they just keep making this album over and over again, you know, um, mid-tier on a pitchfork bill is a kind of position thousands of bands would dream of. So why shouldn't <laughs> I they? I fucking love it, man. That'd be fun. Like, you know, that'd yeah. be a nice little life. Uh, Mario Kart. Do no encore. <laughs> Live show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like go-kart, uh, Mario Kart for me. Yes. Very video yeah. gamey kind of stuff. You know, Sugar Rush. Eventually you want to put the, you, you, you want to put the controller down. Five out of 10. It's fine. Check out Treats. It's much better. Uh, right. It's time for the top five. So, it's top five samples. We're speaking praisefully this week. Um, time constraints meant that I was forced to make a decision. And my decision was, Ooh. am I going to commit to picking some really obvious <laughs> and maybe basic guy, you know, kind of stuff? Like, I wonder, and I'm hoping that Craig has, you know, a nice kind of mastery of the sample and a real respect for it. Not that I don't, but like, I'm aware once again that this is a potentially very dense top five. What I have lined up ain't that dense. I'm very much kind of fucking with the mainstream here. And there's some choices. In fairness, like, you know, I I, I doth protest too much. I think I have some interesting (laughs) choices. I think I have some interesting... I'm sure you do. I, I think there'll be interesting conversations to arise from them. How did you approach this one? Um, I didn't include any Kanye because I was like, um, I could just probably have a top five Kanye and we talk about him so much so that I'll just leave him out and that kind of made things easier. Um, it was a toss up for me between like, am I going for songs I discovered through the sample and I think they're really stand up or was it how it's kind of going to be used? It's a bit of a mix of the two to me, but I just, um, this has been a bit of a, not a week of discovery, but just really cemented why I love sampling as an art form. Um, I was making dinner on like Tuesday and I stuck on the Grandmaster Flash uh, interview on like Hot 97 where he just, they gave him a good like hour and they just let him geek out about like how he got into turntabling and invented so much of that kind of mixing record stuff and like the invention of hip hop, which is like totally based on sampling and it was great because it was just like he got into he became a geek kind of because he had a really poor he came from a really poor background and he would just play with kind of electronic stuff that was just dumped outside and he figured out like how fuses worked and stuff and then he kind of gets to a point where he's like going into like really fancy uh 
like hi-fi shops and stuff and like he's trying to figure out how to mix records but he has to like alter turntables and he sees like a technics thing and he's like i need to check to see if the platter on that is going to be the right texture because his mom was it was this whole thing and like they were like suspicious he was going to rob the place it was just extremely sweet he came across like a total genius and the techniques seemed so difficult i guess a lot of my my top five i'll be talking about how just flipping some of these samples and recontextualizing them is incredible and suffice to say i was watching this guy as i made dinner and thinking of like how much for years like the kind of rock brigade and probably rolling stone back in the day were just like sampling is just like taking great music that's already existing from the 60s and 70s and it's not real musicianship and i've said before in this show some of this stuff I'm going to like um, have now just boggles my mind the effort and the care that goes into it feels tougher and more inventive to me than like Eric Clapton just fucking learning note by note old blues riffs on his guitar that was just handed to him that he just does for the next 50 years this is real kind of creativity it's the musicians as music fans because they're discovering this stuff and yeah I've rambled on too much but you can sense probably that I'm enthusiastic about this and that was my approach that's a good approach, man. Would you like to kick us off this week? Yeah, cool. Okay, I'm going to kick us off with something. We mo- I think we've played in the top five before, but it wasn't... I didn't actually select this song. It was one of its reference points. And the clip, uh, I'll forewarn here, the clip you're about to hear is... I think the YouTube channel Tracklib that do really good breakdowns of like the samples, where they come from and how they were worked into the actual song. And then everything after this point will be me cramming stuff together on Audacity where you have the original and then what came out of it and me trying to crossfade stuff and it'll get hilarious. But this just sounds sublime. Here you go. About eight years ago, don't act like you don't know. We were sitting at home in your mama's living room cause See, your mama knew I was something else. She knew how I felt back then we were in school. And that's your favorite Could it be alone? You were kissing. Tell me I'm holding you. so good yeah um burial archangel um we talked about one of the references there in my favorite um like when we did top five video game soundtracks or tracks from video games and metal gear solid burial uses um Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear, you know, series franchise sounds quite a lot. Apparently, he'll like use like the sound of like falling shells as um, percussion and stuff. And yeah, I guess sampling creativity in general is all about like making connections. And um, a lot of samples can be just kind of like old, old school kind of soul uh, no brainers that are just great. And you're like, yes, take a beat under it. But burial was messing around with some metal gear stuff and then he thought you know what would sound great with this if i just completely recontextualized uh, that guy that had the sex tape with kim kardashian or whatever uh who does that like treacly like nothing modern r&b uh stuff and he was like yeah cool um 
and it's just as you can hear so masterfully from that track lib dissection it's just so finely chopped that he's taking syllables of what he's saying and just forming new phrases and making this like disembodied like deeply passionate kind of yearning and um it sounds a million miles away and it sounds like you know with those classic burial two-step sounds like you're listening to disposable pop music in your actual life on a kind of grim like autumnal day in the city somewhere and I won't go on too much because I think we have talked about Burial quite a bit before, but I did find an amazing quote from him. Um, it was in an interview with Mark Fisher, who's um, you know, the kind of political theorist and the music critic, passed away a few years ago. Um, but this kind of was sickening, to be quite honest. Uh, he was talking about the making of Untrue, which is the album that comes from. Um, and yeah. So basically Mark Fisher, Fisher was saying Burial had in fact produced a whole album's worth of material in another style, not the kind of cut up and pitch shifted voices and the fragments of Untrue. Um, they were more technical. All the tunes sounded like some kind of weapon that was being taken apart and put back together again, but he scrapped it. So the quote from Burial is him saying, I was worrying I'd made all these dark tunes and I played them to my mum and she didn't like them. I was going to give up, which she was sweet, telling me, just do a tune. Fuck everyone off. Don't worry about it. And he says, my dog died and I was totally gutted about that. Um, she was just like, make a tune. Cheer up. Stay up late. Make a cup of tea. <laughs> and he says, I rang her uh, mobile 20 minutes later and I'd made that Archangel tune 20 minutes later and I was like I've made the tune the tune you told me to make it took him 20 minutes and not to get too technical but I believe Burial uses or used Soundforge which is like not a proper um, digital audio workstation it doesn't have the mapping it's basically like him going into Audacity with WAV files and just moving them around and not being so it's just he's just a genius and that's my number 5 Dave avant-garde genius um this might be sacrilege to some but even just hearing that clip there again for the first time in a while it reminds me a little bit of one that i did consider but didn't pick in the end which is the weekend the weekend doing belong to the world where he takes portishead's machine gun and speeds it up which jeff barrow portishead continues to call him out for because he says that he did it without his permission without the band's permission and that they're owed royalties or whatever, but like Jeff Barrow has been holding this long-standing, probably valid grudge against the weekend for a long time. But belong to the world, fucking rules, yeah. and it's. And Port- Portishead did a lot of great sampling as well. You know, it's yeah, I like yeah. that. Shit. All, look, all art is theft. I think is what we're getting yes. here. Uh, great choice to kick it off. <laughs> it just makes my number five all the more like. I, I'm uh, no, I'm hyped. I feel like we're going to get banger after banger. Let's just do it. Maybe, maybe I will say that this person um, is someone who. I think we only exclusively say that like bad things about them, so maybe it's time to redress the balance with um, a song everybody fucking knows. Let's go. Anyways, I hope you get this man. Hit me back, just a chat. Truly yours, your biggest fan. This is Stan. not so bad it's not so bad it's pretty good mm. though i think it's stan by eminem and the sample of course is dido and the song thank you which i think came out a year before this on yeah. her no angel record and that was like she was kind of blowing up a little bit i don't know if stan pushed her over the edge 
um over the edge <laughs> pushed her to like greater heights or whatever but like she was like you know uh, like her song oh, what was it called like she the theme tune to the tv show roswell for a while it'll come to me but um oh yeah yeah it's I can hear it like, a bit in my head just like i think know. it's called here with you or here with me um and yeah dido was like a big thing for a while but eminem was obviously fucking gigantic around the turn of the century and and again an artist that we like these days in particular i think we just find to be increasingly inessential but like i i did like when i when i chose this one the reason i chose it in particular was i i I flat this brought me back it really brought me back to my teenage years and i i loved this album you know i mean like sure there's some bad stuff on there but you know i thought the marshall mathers lp was incredible and like to to my ears it was quite revolutionary as was a song like this one and obviously you know, like this would have been the first time this week in a very long time, a very long time. I would have sat down and had considered concentrated listens of this song. And it is like a long one. It's like about six minutes or so. And like, honestly, it is genuinely a fantastic song. Like it is. And like, it's kind of, it, 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 like we mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody earlier on. I'm not saying it's on the same level, but what I am saying is it's gone beyond the levels of parody. Even the word Stan, of course, has come on to be like this yeah. huge toxic thing but just listen to like the construction of it like it's 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 a really beautiful song it's a really sad beautiful touching affecting song yes there's a moment where eminem drops a little bit of homophobia which is unfortunate but what are you gonna do um and the dido like like sampling works like a fucking charm so good. it, it yeah. gives it its kind of heart and soul on top of already kind of fervent emotion and he does a really good thing. Like he he writes from the point of view. Like like he he basically like the guy didn't invent a conversation around parasocial relationships, but he was kind of ahead of his fucking time in this regard. I mean, the idea of writing a pen and, or a pen and paper letter to somebody and that kind of form of communication and whatever, and like waiting outside in the cold to try and see your hero, or whatever. Obviously, twenty years later, communication has changed such a degree that like it's tweets now and whatever. But there's just something kind of. There's something kind of really like kind of sad and tragic and kind of small world about this song as well, but it genuinely speaks to like just like the human psyche and emotions and stuff. And I think it's really, really well put together. And 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 an example of him being like, oh yeah, like I mean, like when he's not just being terrible, <laughs> he's capable of genuinely great things. Um, Dido, for her part, kind of talked about how she didn't even know that how she ended up on there, like who who got her music to him in the first place. Um, and she's like she gave a lot of interviews around that time, and she was just saying that like. Um, it's one of those songs that took me only a few minutes to write, much like Burial, I suppose. Mm. Um, I was just sitting there thinking I'm going to write a song about having a shit day and then one person or anything, it doesn't matter, it makes it all okay. Uh, she's talked at length about Eminem even before she met him and she was like, you know, he seems like an intelligent guy. I, I thought it was a brilliant thing to do and I was so excited because I thought it sounded great. I really do genuinely like him. If he didn't do this intelligently, if he was just an idiot, I might think definitely about his record. I think he's so clever and funny. He's a great storyteller and entertainer. Um, it's one of those songs, I think, that like is, like is, it's kind of hurt by its own reputation. But honestly, I think it's a fucking incredible song. Yeah, it's devastating with that. And it's when we talk about Eminem, it's, I think our main problem with him is, apart from all the kind of you know, aiming for the charts pop rubbish is that he has decided that he needs to showcase himself as a rap god and his huge technical ability, which he has in spades. He can, you know, in those terms, he's as good as anyone, but he kind of neglects the reason he kind of became huge apart from the shock value was he actually had a a lot of kind of empathy and he was a really good storyteller when he wanted to be. And this is the best example of that. And it's like, you know, it's, it has some shock stuff in there, but Stan doesn't become a caricature and I think the sample totally helps you 
helps the vibe totally um i love the fact that it's not the chorus of the song like it's just that verse that downbeat thing it doesn't feel the need to kind of kick into that whatsoever it's just minor key and got massive and we need more though so yeah a really good choice i like that thanks man. Uh, my next one is um one of the greatest proponents of the npc in history um there's a lot of tough choices about like which w- one I'd pick from him and like this is just a sample of like dozens upon dozens of his donuts I guess here we go melding together yeah so the first song you heard was the tramps rubber band um which is tremendous philly soul group i think they were one of the first disco acts as well they they did disco inferno but yeah rubber band has been popular for the last few years and it wasn't um hate it or love it which this was also used um for around that time cool and dre's work for the game which is i love that it's a gorgeous instrumental as well it's kind of wistful glide it's allows the game and 50 cent to get quite introspective it's cool um but this cut is jay dilla at dilla says go it's from donuts and it's just a run of tracks and samples on that record that like it's just sublimely beautiful and just kind of shows his really singular like lopsided drums always keeps you guessing um and yeah it's part of a wider patchwork i guess um it's one of the first kind of standout moments when i first got into that record and just i could have picked you know time don't cry last donut of the night bye which is you know so far to go um but jay dilla yeah he is an artist that has, he passed away a good few years ago now. Sadly, I think he was only about 32. And um, I think maybe when people listen back to him now, it's almost, I've seen it called like, it's like the, you know, the Seinfeld is unfunny trope of just being like, it was so kind of ahead of its time and then copied that people don't realize how amazing it truly was. And I think Dilla, in, you know, influenced everyone from, I mean, Kanye and all that backpack wave to the extent that if you hear kind of chopped up soul you think um or you hear his kind of chopped up soul you think well this is you know really common and what was he really doing but he still kind of like does a lot of things very different had a very unique kind of swing to his sound and it was i think a lot to do with the way he worked his samples so again not going to get too technical because i don't understand really but like he wouldn't like, quantize stuff he wouldn't line up perfectly he didn't have the visuals in front of him he liked to kind of rough and tumble stuff and donuts this record in particular was one of the last things he worked on he um had been suffering for years with lupus and he he kind of he ended up in hospital his health kind of rapidly declined um around about 2006 and uh, he actually passed away a couple of days uh, after this was released. And he was basically in his hospital bed with this really not great sampler. It's a Boss SP303, which apparently is rickety. You can't do much with it. You can't even get like 
mediocre samples out of it but he just had this and a bunch of records around his bed that he was working through and he made it absolutely sing and there's all these lovely stories of like his mom would come in and like massage his hands in between him working on records um because he was just like in a huge amount of pain but he felt like he had to deliver this thing and you know some of the beats are like the don't cry sample is him like reworking vocals to send messages to his younger brother and his mom and it's just angelic incredible amazing how he pulled it off a great example of him just being a maestro like him him playing other people's records as an instrument to make his own thing um so yeah had to include that and the song rubber band as well always great to hear a bit of that it's just been listening to a lot this summer it just glides by it's great jay dilla um had to had to feature um i know that higgs as well is a huge jay dilla fan um i've always felt like like like, like i've never wanted to raise my hand and say that I, I i don't know enough i haven't heard enough it's shameful so this is the part greg where i ask you to make one of your famous playlists if i oh, get yeah, you that, i can do that if i get you that 10 track nine Inch nails playlist can you get me a 10 track jay dilla playlist please deal yeah yeah that can easily Unreal. be done so many great beats let's do it. and when they're ready we'll put them up on patreon.com slash no encore but for now um <clears throat> my fourth selection from the sublime to the ridiculous uh a cash grab of a song a song <laughs> that uh we mentioned public enemy in the show earlier on chuck d of public enemy referred to this song in 2012 as a fucking travesty but teenage (laughs) dave (laughs) led the way this week for me so here we go number four So, uh, you talk about the rap rock revolution, Craig, and you hear names like Public <laughs> Enemy, Rage Against the Machine, Beastie Boys, I Ask You, Wither, Puff Daddy, and Jimmy Page. That's Come With Me, the sample being Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. Uh, we talked about Led yeah. Zeppelin, the drumming songs recently, and 1998 Dave thought this was the coolest, biggest sounding thing of all time. I 1998 it. Craig did as well. <laughs> now, I was 20, sli- 20 just slightly Craig. younger, but... Um, <laughs> I remember thinking not only was it great and yeah, the video was cool. I was excited about the film. Um, what film was it? Do you my, remember? Uh, it was Godzilla. It was Godzilla. Uh, yeah, with um, John Cusack, wasn't it that version? Matthew Broderick. Oh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, <laughs> John Cusack was in the more recent one. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Oh John my Cusack was God. not in the more recent one. What are you talking was about? Was he not? No. Who was in... Who was in the kind of reboot? Brian Cranston. Yeah. Is that I'm thinking of? John Cusack was in 2012. Yes, he was. <laughs> That's the disaster movie I'm thinking of. Getting my disaster movies mixed up. But you know what I will admit to as well? Not only that, um, he's merging the good name of John Cusack. My dad, of course, as we talked about when we talked about Led Zeppelin, was a huge um, fan. So I was aware of Kashmir, the original, and just the greatest hits was lying around and stuff. And I remember distinctly thinking at the time, 
Puff Daddy has really improved this song. <laughs> it just has a certain <laughs> oomph uh, yes. that this tired old 70s recording. <sighs> this is what I wanted to capture. hear. Yeah, this I think I, I was wrong, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, my, was, I was very excited about it at the time. My version of events is even more disrespectful because I was like, <laughs> I had no idea like that, it, that, that it was a sample. I had no idea that like it, there was a pre-existing version of this. I was like, man, Puff Daddy's just fucking killing the game. I was considering, I actually picked this one as a substitute because I, I originally put down I'll Be Missing You because I wanted to kind of reverse some of that police bashing bounds from last week yeah. but then I realised oh wait I picked that one already we had that five, yeah top five songs about friendship so I couldn't possibly do it again and then I was like well wait a minute Puff Daddy has an even better song that samples a, a big song and I, and, I, and I it's not on Spotify by the way which is outrageous Um, so I've been I've had to YouTube it for the week Um, Chuck D like I said said in 2012 um I like Jimmy Page and P. Diddy, but what they did to Cashmere was a debacle. They are giants <laughs> in their own way, and you can print this, but that was a fucking travesty. When I get involved with a classic, I knock the fucking ceiling out of it, or I leave it the fuck alone. Um, I, there's not a lot of information about this because it's just a cash grab. It's just like, uh, let's come, like it's from a different era, though. We talked about it before. I do miss that era of big movie tie-in songs. They're still yeah. out there, but they don't have the same level of impact, and I put a lot of that down to... You know, the music video not having as much power as it used to, MTV not being what it was, and obviously uh, the digital age, Craig, as I like to refer to it quite often. Um, but <laughs> there's a fact I found, which I I don't think this is true, and I, I need someone to confirm this. In France, the song is played when Olympic Marseille score a goal, which uh, like I, maybe it was for a season. I, I would know. imagine that's true. <laughs> I hope they're still doing it. It's a great riff. Um, it's a hell of a song it's stupid and silly and cheesy and it cheered me up a lot this week so had to go in 1998 ushering in summertime for humanity um i'd say chuck d likes this group i can't be sure but yeah doesn't matter who cares i like them The New York Times side Staying alive was no job At second hands Moms bounced on old men So then we moved Dollar dollar bill yo Yeah Cream Wu-Tang Clan From uh, the John Cusack film 2012 <laughs> <laughs> Opening credits no, I think I believe, it was 1994 Came out Yeah yeah And the, the sample itself was The Charmels uh, As long as I've got you which was, yeah, another kind of soul sample, uh, 67, I believe, Stax imprint, just sumptuous, just like loads of points in that record. You could just get a million other records out of it. Um, but RZA, um, the Abbott, the scientist, um, Bobby Digital, I believe he goes by as well. Um, this was apparently one of the first beats he ever came up with, which says a lot. He's one of the greatest producers of all time in hip hop or anywhere else. He had a five year run from, I think, this until Wu-Tang Forever, maybe just before Godzilla came out, actually. And he kind of took a step back and actually started concentrating on his film career. Maybe there's some crossover there. I don't know. But yeah, he just had a run where he was working on Wu stuff, um, solo projects, beats, coming out of everywhere and just so distinctive and apparently at the time 
in terms of sampling and beats there was a lot of emphasis on using jazz and really obscure stuff and he just doubled down on soul and funk and added this uh like i think it's like it's known as a spoonful of grit when it comes to wu-tang and just really made a universe like a sound that's so distinctive as soon as a wu song comes on you regardless of the sample you know it's them it's bare bones but there's kind of beauty there and just again that kind of that like romantic thing of like crate digging and him doing this before they were a thing and when he was like like nearly going to go to prison for a misdemeanor and didn't you know just doing beats for the love of it and he's talked about just like if it's not happening for you just keep making beats because even if like no one's buying them when they do you'll have a hundred of them to sell and he did and this is probably an obvious one but i think that piano loop it's just so simple that four bars but it's like part of like hip-hop dna i think you could make a case for it being one of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time and it shows what you can do with very little really just a few seconds of sound and you've got this woo universe just kicking into gear um that's from the debut his maybe his best works on liquid swords um jizz's stuff i was nearly gonna pick shadow box him this is what i went for and yeah also had to include rizza for sure uh imperious stuff craig and uh i'm gonna call an audible in return because i was just thinking about my next pick here and how it was the what I was going to play was like the first one I thought of, and then I thought, well, if it's the first one you thought of, Dave, it should probably be your number one. So I'm I'm moving my 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 number one to my number three, and my number three to my number one. So okay, real here time. is here is my actual number three in real time. It is Stardust, Music Sounds Better With You. The sample is Fate by Chaka Khan, which appears fucking immediately into the track, like three seconds in or something. Yeah. And, you know, is the bedrock, is the riff, is the hook, is everything. What a song. I think you picked it before for a top five a while ago. Am I misremembering this? No, I don't think. Did I? I think you did. Like, no, we don't have a great don't archiving so. system. I'm, I'm almost <laughs> certain that you did. Because I was thinking out, of, this is, this is amazing. This was on my shortlist and I didn't have that moment where I was like, well, I've used this already. But we've done did, a lot man. of shows. Yeah, we have done a lot of top I fives know. and it, it can. And there have been a few repeats and there will be. Um, And, you know, again, I think a song like this, like there's been this talk recently, hasn't there? Because like this song made its way to streaming services for the first time ever, I think in the last year or so. And maybe it was a news story, I don't know, but I, I'm almost certain that you picked it before. But the point is... um. I feel like when it like when it came back out or was getting a bit of a resurgence there, I feel like there was some conversation about like, oh, they're going to do an album or they're going to release more music. And I'm like, I don't want them to. I think this yeah. song works because of its kind of, you know, one weird. off. Yeah, yeah, one off standalone nature. It's like, why would you buy I'm like, are you really going to better it? Uh, again, I mean, like I didn't intend for this list to necessarily be like Dave flicks through the music channels in the late 90s or whatever, but it's kind of gone that way and again i think this is like a real stop you in your tracks moment and of course you know one of daft punk is involved so sampling is a chorus on the menu uh <laughs> we were all very sad when we learned that daft punk were in fact thieves 
But like I say, yeah, I think it was Dave Keen of it um, was Dave Keen of Hot Press fame. Yeah, Hot Press fame, who kind of <laughs> let us know we were big Discovery fans, and he's like, you know how like much sa- how many samples there are in this? And we're like, yeah, of course. He's like, no, but have you heard the original samples? <laughs> and it was just like the entire song's dressed up with some vocoder and Frenchness, um, but still bangers, you know. Oh yeah, banger. Is this banger. is this better than anything Daft Punk did? Would you say, Dave? Ooh, that's a very good question. I mean, it's certainly the best distillation of what they were trying to achieve i think which is my very political answer there craig um that's yeah like it's 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 just one of those ones that it could come from any era it could come from any time how important is the sample on this one for you do you think i'm, I'm certain you've picked this before by the way i will this will drive me i crazy. feel like we've discussed it but um it's i mean it's, it's everything to this song it's and i i love i love when the kind of sentiment of the original and what they're trying to go for with the new work kind of lines up thematically and it does that whole meta thing of like it's like an homage to the power and joy and like childlike joy you get from music and by doing so they're they're kind of bringing back some old stuff to life and it just it works on many different levels but mainly just as a pure bop so yeah thumbs up for me Great video too as well, you know, that kind of style, that kind of era. Different time. Yeah. What you got next? <laughs> uh, more recent time. I think this is the most recent one on my list. Um, the original isn't, I think it's from 1978. Um, but then the other bit is from 2017. And again, seamless integration. You're about to hear it now. Yeah, twenty seventeen, so that's um amazing refrain. Kinda works for now, but also mask off, fuck it, mask off. I don't know. Um, it's future mask off. It's um, young Metro Metro Boomin on production, and um, that incredible flute sample taken from Prison Song, uh, Tommy Butler song from the late seventies. It was actually on this musical, the album of the musical Selma, um, which was about um, the death of Martin Luther King and just um, injustice in the states, and it's reimagined as this swampy, slowed down, trappish song for future where he's just kind of doing his lazy charismatic future thing of like alternating between molly and percocets and a lot of people are just like you know this is such a righteous song and um so inventive and it just becomes this trap drug song but actually he is very much commenting on how drugs can imprison people and um you know society may change slightly but there's just different kind of mechanisms for how to uh, infringe on people's freedom. And I love that thing of just like the Percocets bring you down, the Molly brings you up, self-medicating. And when you need to take the mask off and reveal your true self or just put the mask on and numb out. And I, yeah, I love, I love Young Metro in general. Um, I think he's done some great work. Um, 
So thanks to, I think, Lil Wayne and Drake for uh, discovering him. Work with Kanye, of course, that like incredible producer tag. Uh, Father, stretch my hands. Um, if Young Metro don't trust you, I'm going to shoot you, which is incredible. And yeah, this brought about kind of a resurgence of the flute, I feel like, in hip-hop as well. But none has done it better than this. Um, there's something very swampy and magical about it. And it's I rag on kind of trap a lot of the time this isn't really straight trap but it's like that genre um and metro doesn't usually do sample stuff so it's like hearkening back to hip-hop's past and i think even in the instrumentation you can hear the investment of like the struggle and the weight of it and what it means and it's doomy and it's magnificent and yeah it's recent but it's just one that i've listened to a lot so i had to stick it in Mask on, you say, Craig. How about masks <laughs> on plural? And by masks, I mean cyborg-type <laughs> helmets. Shall we go? <laughs> what an intro. Let's I, I didn't know where that was going. I was like, is this going to be a song that was the team tune to, like, The Mask with Jim Garrett? Oh, that'd be good, though. But no, it's this instead. Go nuts, go in my pastel on my Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six take this haters that, 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 that don't kill me can only make me stronger i need you to hurry up man because i can't wait much longer i know i got to be right now because i can't get much stronger man i've been waiting all night man that's how long i've been on ya like you a lot it's Kanye West and stronger <laughs> uh, 200 best song of all time 500th best song of all oh, time 500 yeah. shit 500 according to Rolling Stone um, oh, check yeah, out the yeah. news section if you skip straight to the top 5 but yeah essentially um, the sample is Harder Better Faster Stronger by Daft Punk but you know or is it yeah like can we really it's credit like the them because yeah. Kanye credited them the backstory to this one apparently is that like you know, requested the use of it through their manager. Uh, they said yes. They eventually met up at a music festival, uh, Lollapalooza, I think, possibly. Hung out, became friends. Uh, there's some hilarious quotes around this. Like, I mean, like Daft Punk being like, we heard it on the radio and it sounded great. You know, it's like, we love hip hop. We were delighted to be involved. Like, it's it's real, like, you know, when like that world soccer show interviews a new promising starlet who's playing at River Plate or something and they're speaking yeah. in their native tongue. And then the translator is like, it is great to be playing football at this club. I hope to <laughs> achieve new heights with the team. And it's just like, right, cool, great. But Kanye West apparently could have been a magnanimous figure when he was talking to Zane Lowe about this, in which he said that, no, no, their version's better than mine. And I'm like, the funny thing is, like, I found that I found that quote on Wikipedia, and right next to it, there's like a bracket that says verification needed, because I'm sure he probably didn't say that. But okay. uh, this was a, an era of Kanye West in which I was still on the, you know, the fence. Still on the, Still on the fence, still skeptical, and but this was unavoidable. It was everywhere, and obviously my my love for Daft Punk brought me in, and I was like, "This is amazing, isn't it?" And then they're playing it in clubs and stuff, and it's the whole, it's the glasses era, you know, the sunglasses and stuff, and it's just, I miss that Kanye man. This was so much bring fun. back shutter shades, you say? Bring back shutter shades, so much fun. Um, and listen, I mean, like for all the Daft Punk bashing I've done on this show and whatever, and for all of their uh, crimes, literal crimes in in music. I mean, come on, it's unstoppable, right? Again, you know, I know I'm aware that it's a very like obvious selection. And with Kanye, I originally was thinking of Power and 21st Century Schizoid Man, but mm. 
again, if you go down the Kanye West sample rabbit hole, as you did allude to, you'll never stop. So I was like, nope, just pick it, surface level. And then I felt exonerated and vindicated when Rolling Stone named it the 500th best song of all time a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when you mentioned um, the kind of King Crimson sample there as well, it just kind of gets back to my earlier point of being like, I love the idea of Kanye just kind of crate digging and listening to shit that you might be into or like it's kind of that nice democratic thing of just like artists being true fans and like hearing stuff and being like that's amazing and then getting excited about it and like deciding okay i can actually bring something new to the table and i love stronger it does that power thing of like leaning on the lyrics and bringing it into the song and it's just a wonderful production so my number one um i don't know if this will be a surprise might be um i love the sample song i play it quite a lot um introduced to it by um, the output, the outcome, 2009 track, and yeah, this is um, another one of my seamless edits. Sorry, I think I'm going to one... for one second. There are kids screaming so loud out in the street. I got my windows fucking closed. For my number one. Apparently what so. What is it, Craig? They're <laughs> screaming so fucking loud. At, like, it's dark outside. This is crazy. Are they okay? Do you need to I, go check? I hope not. Tell an adult? Okay. I hope not. <laughs> but they've probably been picked up on the mic because I, it's unbelievably loud. And I've got my windows closed, man. Double glazing, I think. Oh, man. Well, I'm now I'm disappointed for them that they don't get to hear this. Gentlemen, this time around, the revolution will not be televised. Woo! As we proceed to give you what you need. Oh, nine, brother. Get live, brother. Ladies and gentlemen of the court. In the hearing against the state of hip-hop versus Dan Trotter. I present Exhibit C. When I was sleeping on the train. Yeah, J Electronica, Exhibit C, and Just Blaze on the beat, um, working with a Billy Stewart kind of small C ballad from 1967, again, uh, Cross My Heart, which is a really lovely song, I really like it, I think his voice is great, he's got a good catalogue as well, he kind of passed away, I think he got in like a head-on collision or something when he was, again, early 30s, and he was like dead by like 1970, I didn't know too much about him, and the song itself doesn't have much to do with Exhibit C, but um, that's no surprise because apparently, to keep a theme going, this was put together in just 15 minutes. <laughs> um, according to Jay Electronica, I don't know if we can really believe him. Um, and maybe he was just talking about his verses. But again, I don't know how he would write those verses in 15 minutes. And there's a whole mythos around this story. Jay Electronica, of course, doesn't release stuff that often. This was, I think, the second single release from him. We got a mixtape already. There was Exhibit A. We didn't get Exhibit B. And then apparently <laughs> Jay was talking to MTV years ago um, about Exhibit C. And he said that him and Just Blaze were supposed to appear on this like serious XM satellite radio show. Um, like a, an Angela Yee show. And they're like friends with her. So they wanted to premiere like a new track just for her. But they didn't have anything. So they just like stayed up trying to make stuff. 
and they didn't make the appearance um, because they just fell asleep, apparently. <laughs> and Jay was like, yeah, we did the song in 15 minutes. We never went on the show. We fell asleep in the studio. I forgot the song existed. I didn't hear it again until uh, I heard it on Tony Touch's, again, some other satellite radio show. It was all kicking off on satellite radio last decade. He was mad. Uh, he was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. It was all over the internet. People were asking for CD quality version. Uh, it eventually then came out um, a few months later. Again, word of mouth. And it's, yeah, just the Just Blaze beat is so sensational. Um, and Just Blaze has done great things. Probably best known for his Jay-Z collabs. He was on the Blueprint, Blueprint 2, uh, Black Album. Uh, he did Public Service Announcement, which might be my favorite Jay-Z song. Uh, really great touch. New Jersey guy, I think. And um, yeah, I just don't know how he flipped that sweet, croonery kind of like love struck thing and made it just one of the hardest drops possible. And it just gets me so hype every time it comes on. And yeah, one of the absolute best. And that's the power of sampling, my friend. That's an excellent, excellent, excellent shout, Craig. What a fucking amazing piece of work just amazing um those kids are still screaming i don't know what the fuck has <laughs> gone on this is genuinely unsettling like just so obnoxious like like I, I don't get it i just don't get it man why do people have kids why right listen <laughs> <Go on. laughs> this was uh this is my number uh, one <laughs> okay let's see will this calm you down is this oh, going to calm you down or is it going to get you more amped up oh it's gonna, me, it's, 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 it's gonna get us all amped up like fucking crazy man it's okay. so good. It's 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 an electric bolt. It's it's a it's a it's a barrage of samples, a barrage of things. It's been referred to as an illegal bootleg mashup, and it was a chart sensation. You know what it is, don't you? I think Craig might know, but let's let's have it. It is Sugar Babes and Freak Like Me from 2002. Totally forgot it. Great Did goal. you? Did you forget it? Oh my God, it was the first one it I wasn't him. Yeah, it didn't come to mind this week. And I'm like, fuck, that was genius. Yeah, the mashup era. I was forgetting all that. So good, man. And like, again, another, one, another one of the reasons why I kind of on the spot I bumped up to number one was I want to, get, I, I, I want to give Sugar Babes their flowers. I don't think we do that enough on this show. Underrated girl group, I would say. Underrated pop group. Um, So this is technically a cover of Adina Howard's 1995 song of the same name, but it's been regarded as as this kind of like pristine example of this, the bootleg mashup, like I said there. And uh, Richard X essentially put it all together, shopped it around, and samples galore. Our Friends Electric by Gary Newman is in here. Uh, Sorry, Two by Army, I should say, with Gary Gary Newman helping out, I believe. Uh, That's the main kind of crux of it. Um, Freak Like Me by Adina Howard, of course. Like, they took the melody and the lyrics um sing a simple song by sly and the family stone i believe it's the drumbeat uh, and i'd rather be with you by bootsy collins rubber boot band so it's just like absolute just complete and utter things slamming together frankenstein's monster yeah it's yeah so like, good it shouldn't work but it does and it's amazing and it's just like it was just so exciting i remember the video to it i remember it just being like this kind of really kind of 
you know kind of alternative pop song and just this like very kind of like again like this sounds really stupid of me to say but it was that time and like you know you're a teenager you're, you're into metal and this was a pop song that was actually like you could like this one that stupid kind of snobbery you had for a while i think sugar babies did a really good job even with like their very first single overload it was overload or overloaded but it was like of just being like this kind of respectable pop group and of course like i say i'm aware that the words come out of my mouth right now are ridiculous because who gives a fuck about that kind of stuff but in the era of q magazine and you know listening to slipknot it was kind of like not friend they upon cool. at all yeah, but yeah, yeah like, they, like they, were, they were cooler than your average essentially so and songs like slicker this than your average you might say <laughs> or you might not uh-huh. uh, songs like this went a long way the guardian loved it they said it was the best number one single of 2002 enemy said it was genius if this gets to number one we'll be grinning all summer yes even the critics <laughs> <laughs> like cheshire cats grinning all summer <laughs> uh, gary newman uh prefers this to our friends electric apparently but he would say that wouldn't he that's a very newman yeah i love that <laughs> he's hardly gonna um he's hardly gonna fucking uh, that's you know. good for his brand to say that you know what i mean apparently that's very on point but apparently Adina Howard didn't like it didn't want it to do with it didn't want it to be put together didn't want it to be sold commercially didn't want any of it didn't like the sugar babes being involved i think even the sugar babes were kind of reticent as well i think they were just like who is this guy what is this song what is this thing but um that kind of level of experimentation i mean we talked about girls led last week and like of course the kind of xenomania style and a lot of their songs are just paparazzi's themselves and we love so much what girls like did but did they like was this a different tier was this like a bit more experimental than than they got could we have could we have had you know do girls like have a freak like me um i think conceptually probably not it's a bit more a slightly more straight lace but i think this you know it's not to disparage girls allowed because this is a real one-off even like when i mentioned their like mashup culture that whole era where so much of it just felt like total novelty and i feel like richard x was part of that to some degree but this is obviously like just a work of art it totally works even stuff i thought previously was like and was critically lauded and seemed it was probably a really good idea but stuff like the um the gray album Jay-Z's album mashed up with the Beatles' White Album, which was Danger Mouse, and kind of propelled him onto the global stage. And it was cool. It was a great idea. But you kind of go back to it now and you'll be like, yeah, it's a bit like weirdly quaint or it's just like, it seems like a good idea in the room of like, yeah, we'll smash together Jay-Z and the Beatles. And um, that's kind of it. Uh, it feels more like a, not a punchline, but an interesting experiment. But this is just its own beast entirely. It takes on a different life. It's great. Really, really good pick thanks man uh yeah i was a bit i was a bit like sweating about the top five this week i was like ah have i done a good enough job on it you know like do, have i done it just it was it was a like the more i got into it the more i was like this is a bit overwhelming because you're dealing with a lot of different factors and you were kind of like well, do we have the time this week to really deep dive said, into this and i'm like said, it's fine you said smash good to me yeah. quick google and you'll be fine and i was like craig no <laughs> smash good to me last night on fucking audacity like stitching tracks together <laughs> <laughs> and i need to do that by the way i was like i'm not doing that i first of all i don't know yeah, how to yeah. do it and second of all i was like he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna show off i know he is um, well i really enjoyed it though it did it kind of made me feel like a kid just i love that thing of like recontextualizing stuff and Shivers, man. Sometimes those original clips come on, and then the fucking how it's reworked. You're just like, no, you people can one, be great. You Art did a can be wonderful great, you know? job. I'm not here to fucking pour cold water. Like I love Thanks, when you, man. I love when you flex for the show. It's always good. 
<laughs> Let's not play my bonus track because that was a case of I did an extra one, which I was maybe going to include, and then I was like, I've nothing to say about this track, so let's just leave it off. But yeah, okay, was a lot and we of... can leave it as a mystery. Maybe we'll discuss it on No Ox Chord. Let's upcoming... do that. Yeah, let's maybe yeah, play that because it is fun. Exclusive episode for patrons: patreoncom Encore. That's coming very soon. There is a new episode of No Encore coming next week as well. Interview with House Plants. That's coming out in the main feed. If you like the show, if you like what we do, if you like the effort that Craig goes to on Audacity, <laughs> you, can, you can help us out at patreoncom Encore. A little goes a long way. And please tell your friends about the show. Maybe rate and review us on iTunes. All that kind of stuff. It actually does matter. And thank you very much, by the way, to our special guest Sonic Architect David Tapley. He fronts an amazing band called Tandem Felix. Go check them out as well. And thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week. Catch you later. Stay safe. My name is Dave Hanready. His name is Craig Fitzpatrick. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.